This morning we're going to talk about engaging the Christian imagination uh, of your student and, and, and as a family and what that means and what that uh, can look like for you and your family over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think I said two weeks ago that, that I felt like um, the, the videos we've been watching and then uh, Josh and Jimmy had, had really kind of covered all the things I wanted to cover um, when, when Brett asked me a couple months ago to do this and um, he and I were talking this morning. He said he he's always nervous um, or stressed on Saturday night. And he asked if I was. I said, no, but the difference is that I've had two and a half months to do mine, and you have a week cycle that you're doing. And so, But, but I have been um, working on this and excited to, to talk about this and uh, been informed by the, other, the, the videos we've been watching and, the, and uh, Jimmy and Josh coming to speak with us. So I'm excited to kind of continue that um, stream of thought this morning as we talk about... Um, most of the time, if, if you're here with us, you know that during the school year, we don't talk necessarily about parenting. We talk with you about what we're going to talk with students about on, on Wednesday night. But over the summer, we, we decided to use this time to really talk about um, parenting teens and um, what, what that can look like in our families. So um, the, the other day, as we were, uh, Hillary and I were dropping Riker off at his daycare, I picked him up out of his car seat, and he had with him his chocolate milk, because he has chocolate milk every morning, and he had a little toy shark from a Happy Meal, and he had um, one of his, uh, one of his, and I say one of his Mater trucks from the movie Cars, and I say one of because he has four of them, because my mother-in-law buys him them all the time, which is wonderful. But as he's getting out, I got him, and he set all that down in his car seat, and he said, buy chocolate milk, buy Mater, buy, buy shark, and... Uh, and it just made me laugh, but, it, but it's not uncommon for him to do that. This is a picture of him right here with a, a new friend that he made this week, uh, Lucas, or as he likes to call him, Wookuses. I don't know why it's plural, but it is. Uh, so you can see he's got one mater, and Lucas has another one. Uh, that was a big deal for Riker to share that, and he's got his car shirt on. But he, uh, he loves to imagine and to play with these cars and, and to, to talk to these things that are not things you talk to. When we, when we leave our apartment, we go down the stairs and there's a, a banister that runs along the top and there's this Larry Boy DVD that sits there because I don't have the apparently mental capacity to take it and put it in the case with all the other DVDs. But when we leave, he said, bye, Larry Boy, all the time, every time we leave the house without fail. And so he's, he engages his imagination all the time. And it's so fun uh, to watch and to see him do. And uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Hillary was putting him to bed, and he was mad because we had turned off cars and told him it was uh, time to go to bed, and you know, movie time was over, and um, he, he was upset. And so she taught him uh, that he can close his eyes really tight, and he can watch cars uh, with his eyes closed, which is probably not untrue because he watches cars all the time, so he has the thing memorized. And so now every, every now and then he will we'll be in his room playing or we'll be doing something. He's got his eyes shut real tight. Like, what are you doing? So I'm, I'm watching Cars or I'm watching Nemo or I'm watching Shark Tale or, or whatever it is that he's decided to, to watch in his mind's eye. Um, and, and so watching his, his mind, his imagination uh, change his little world around him because I'm sure the things that we do can be pretty boring. Uh, you know, we're making dinner, we're cleaning the apartment. You know, we are playing with him, but I'm sure we're not near as much fun as the things that he makes up are. Um, but but it's so much fun to see him make bridge that gap between kind of the ordinariness of his world and, and the excitement maybe that he wishes um, was always going on. And, and I know in, in my own life... Um, 
that, that I have this, this imagination that, that waxes and wanes and that, uh, and, and I'm not talking about my imaginary friends um, and, and that kind of thing like, like Riker is, but, um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I have this, um, you know, I imagine what it's going to be like when, when our family is, is debt free. Um, or I imagine, you know, we, we, Hillary and I, um, have this desire to open this um, old-fashioned soda shop and use it as, as an avenue for ministry and to engage people and things like that. And so, uh, you know, we kind of imagine some things like that, some, some what-if kinds of things, not necessarily like um, our, our son or maybe some of your children have or, or do imagine, um, kind of a transformative thing. In the last um, decade or so of working with students, I've, I've had the, the privilege several times where we'll be um, at camp or maybe at a retreat or, or maybe I'm just going to have lunch and we'll just be talking about uh, whatever. You know, we, we're having a conversation. Maybe it's about um, some faith things. Maybe it's not. Uh, and, and they'll begin to, to kind of ask some questions. Uh, you know, man, uh, my, my friends, uh, you know, they all want to go and party and I don't want to do that. Uh, man, you know, there's this kid in my class and he um, identifies as, as gay um, and, and I know that the Bible says that's wrong. I, I don't know what to do. Or they'll ask why or how come or, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and so instead of saying, uh, yeah, you're right, that's wrong and moving on, I get the opportunity to kind of ask some probing questions. You know, well, what is he like? You know, or, or, or um, when we were in Rowlett a couple of weeks ago and someone said, when we go back and someone says, uh, you know, it's great that you were doing cleanup, but why did God uh, have that tornado come through there, get to ask, some, ask them some questions and help them begin to process and think through that. And almost always, whether it's right in that moment or later on when they come back to it, there's this, there's this click, there's this moment where they ask themselves, well, well what if? Hey man, I, I love God, and I want to deepen that relationship, and I want to show that to other people. But here's this thing I don't understand. Why are there homeless uh, people in my community? Why are there people uh, we, at, at camp last week? We talked about an organization called Charity Water. So why are there people who don't have access to clean water around the world? How come this tornado came through this place and we have to come and clean up all the debris? And, and, and so they move from that. You, ask, you can ask them some probing questions about... Um, you know, what do you know about the character of God? What do you know about the heart of God? What do you know about how God cares for people? What do you know about how God cares for the earth? And, and you can almost always get them to go, man, man, what if? What if because I love God and I want to engage uh, these, these people, uh, this person, this group with that love, what if I were to do this? And, and you get to see uh, that, that moment. And, and so... Um, for me, when I think about engaging the Christian imagination and, and, and dealing with students, um, I, I've realized that, that when we engage their God-given imagination, we endear students to the heart of Jesus. And so over the last couple months in our playing for keeps, uh, you know, videos we've been watching and hearing from Josh and Jimmy, one of the things that we have heard a lot about is, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, I don't have statistics and things like that, but we, and we talk about this, um, that, that young people, our students, oftentimes will will go through our youth ministry, they'll graduate, they'll go to college, um, and, and they, they will make a choice not to go to church. They'll make a choice not to plug into a local church. And, and, and in the past, and we've talked about this, we, we've been able to say, well, once they graduate, once they get a job, once they get married, once they have kids, they're probably going to come back. That, that's not really the case anymore, and, and uh, we don't see that happening as much. And so we, we see this um, group of young people that, that have 
been in church, know God, know the truth of God, um, and, and for whatever reason, make the choice uh, not to come back. And there are a lot of contributing factors. There are a lot of things that go into that. But one of the things that, that I've seen over time um, is this distinction, um, that, that this mistake that we've maybe made a little bit, and I've, I've been a part of that, that says um, we, we want to develop within our, our, our students, our kids, a Christian worldview. Anybody? Yeah. And, and, and so um, that's, that's good. We, we say, be, because I'm a Christian, this is what I believe about this. Because I'm a Christian, um, this is how I talk to this person. This is how I interact with this person. I do this. I don't do this. I go here. I don't go here. And, and I think we've maybe been wrong in that a little bit. I think maybe rather than um, a Christian worldview, we ought to be working to develop a Christian imagination in our students. A Christian worldview is static. Um, it says, because this, then this. It's black and white. It says, I'm a Christian. This is, this is how I view this. This is how, what I do when this happens. This is when someone says this, this is what I say. Whether or not I know um, maybe what I'm saying. Like Jimmy talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, I believe this, so I do this. The Christian imagination um, knows God's truth in different contexts. Uh, and so it doesn't, doesn't change God's truth. It doesn't morph God's truth to that context. Um, but it says, man, I, I know God's truth when I'm at church. I know God's truth when I'm at home. And I know God's truth when I'm traveling with my team. And I know God's truth uh, when I go over to John's uh, swim party and his parents aren't home. And I know what that looks like. And I don't deviate from that. It sees the complexity in these situations. It sees, uh, man, man, this is God's truth, but these people don't have any... Um, any basis for that. These people don't have, if I just go in and say, well, this is God's truth. These people um, don't, don't care about that. So I've got to be able to um, say, well, this is God's truth. And when, when we're here, um, this is how God's truth looks in that situation. And it, and it asks, what if? Christian worldview says, uh, what if this? So we, we've, we've, I think, too often maybe said, well, because you're a Christian, um, you don't see these movies, you don't read these books, you don't listen to this music, you don't go to these places, and you don't hang out with these people. Instead of teaching them, because I love God, what if this? Because I love God, what if instead of not going to the party and telling everybody else, uh, hey, I'm not going to the party because I'm a Christian and you're wrong and you shouldn't go to the party, and if you do, you're bad and you're probably going to hell. Uh, What if we said, I'm not going to that party uh, but if you've had too much to drink, why don't you give me a call? My parents and I will come pick you up. You can crash on our couch for the night. My mom will make you pancakes in the morning, and we'll figure out how to tell your parents what happened last night. What if instead of saying um, when, when there's a group of kids in the classroom uh, and everybody's passing around the worksheet because one person did it and everybody else decided not to, and they said, that's cheating, I'm not doing that, you guys are all wrong. Um, hey, why don't you guys come over to my house on Tuesday nights? My dad's a math genius, and I know you guys think he's funny. I don't know why, but you do. And he would love to help us understand more about what's going on in our math class since we can't seem to grasp that from our teacher because we don't want to probably. Uh, but, but living in that tension that says, man, j- just because yeah, we are, we are Christians, we believe some of these things are, are morally and scripturally and biblically wrong, and those are good things to believe and to know, but if we don't ask our students to then ask what if, to say how does, how does that truth of God change how you react to the situation, how does that truth of God engage people in this situation, um, then, then we've 
probably miss it a little bit. God's truth is supposed to change our world. It's supposed to transform who we are and transform our, our children and, and the world uh, that, that they're in. And so when we engage um, the, the God-given imagination of our students and ourselves, we, we not only endear them to the heart of Jesus, but to, to the local church. And we see this happen exponentially, this, this world change that can go on. And so if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 5 and follow along, um, Jesus is great at helping people uh, look at that what if in their world. He's great at taking uh, the things that the religious leaders and even the the, the Jewish lay people of the day thought or believed and how they lived and said, Man, that's, that's not wrong. You, you got the truth down, but, but what if you took that truth and did this with it? And so I'm going to read um, along actually, actually from here, but it's in Matthew chapter 5, and, and you can follow along here. Um, but, but listen, and, and there's, some, there's a little bit of difference in the way that what I'm going to read and what's going to appear, but, but listen um, for that. So, so Jesus comes along and he says, what if... You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. And Jesus says, what if you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you? Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. What if you're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less? That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. What if you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God? He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. What if you're blessed when you care? At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. What if you're blessed when you get inside your world, your mind and your heart put right? Then you can see God in the outside world. What if you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight? That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. What if you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution, the persecution that drives you even deeper into God's kingdom? And not only that, what if you count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me? What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. This is from the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 5. It's commonly called uh, the Beatitudes. And it's um, Jesus beginning what we call the Sermon on the Mount. These, these two, uh, two and a half, three chapters uh, where Jesus is, is, is preaching uh, to this crowd of people. And, and he's saying, you believe right. You believe in who God is. You, you know that he's the creator of the universe. You don't have other gods, um, but, but maybe you haven't been living that out right. Maybe you haven't been asking, Man, because I know these things about God, what if I lived this way? We think of being poor physically or in spirit as a negative thing, but Jesus flips that on his head and he says, what if it allows you to engage with people you normally wouldn't and trust more in God? We think of mourning when we lose somebody, when something uh, tragic happens in our life as, as a bad thing. We're, we're, we're sad. We're hurting. And Jesus says, what if that's when you press more into God? He takes these things that we know, that we believe, that are good, that are right. And he says, what if you lived those things in this way and showed people who I was because of those things? 
the, the people of his day, they had this, these static views about who God was. And, and they hadn't been loving and living in the way that, that God really intended for them to be. So if you're here this morning, um, some of this is probably preaching in the choir for you. This is not stuff that, that you don't know or haven't heard. Uh, and, and I'm glad you're here. But let's talk about some ways um, that, that we can begin to, to engage the Christian imagination in our own lives and our students and in our families. One of the first things um, that you can do is to develop a family mission, vision, and values. Does anybody here have that? Has anybody done that? It's something that I've heard about for, for a long time. I've heard different people talk about uh, and have never done. And so when I was, uh, as I've been working on this over the last couple of months, it was something that just kept coming to the front of my mind that, uh, you know, what if um, we asked our families to, to do this and that was how um, you began to engage the, the heart and mind of your student uh, for, for who Jesus is and what he can look like transformatively in their world. And so um, did some research about what that look like, looks like and, and how to, to go about that. And Hillary and I did a lot of talking, a lot of praying. And, and so over the last, um, really in the last week or so that we kind of crafted this stuff out, um, that, that we developed a, a family mission, vision, and values. And so uh, I'll, I'll show you ours. Our, our, our vision is to raise disciples of Jesus who raise disciples of Jesus long after we're gone. We want to know um, that the investment we put into Riker's life and, and, and our other children when we have them um, is going to be something that changes his life so that when he has kids, he does the same thing, develops disciples of Jesus out of them, and so on and so forth, long after anybody remembers who we are. This would be a day where somebody uh, in our family line has no idea who, who David and Hillary Stippick are. Um, but man, our, our hope and our prayer is that they're still a disciple of Jesus. Our vision is to raise disciples of Jesus who raise disciples of Jesus long after we're gone. We do that through our mission, uh, which is that we're committed to loving God and displaying that love, that to others by loving and serving them whenever, wherever, and however possible. That really came from uh, some friends of ours in Brownwood. Um, my, my good friend, Zach, uh, he's a student minister at First Baptist Bangs, and, and he and I were in school together, and we, we did some stuff together with our students. And he and his wife, several years back, probably six, seven years back, uh, made a commitment that any time that they drive past somebody on the streets that's holding a sign, uh, you know, I'm homeless, I need food, I need money, whatever the case may be, they were going to stop, they were going to present the gospel, and they were going to meet a need. Uh, and And... I said, man, that's, that's a big commitment. I mean, he's, he said, that's, you know, if we're on our way to a wedding and we see somebody, we stop. He was giving a specific example of a time that it happened to them. That's how important it is to their family. And, and so we, we took that idea and said, it doesn't matter if we're, um, you know, one of my lifelong dreams is to go to Disney, hoping to make that happen for our five-year anniversary next year. Cross your fingers for me. Uh, but, you know, we, we even tell, you know, if we're, if we're on our way to Disney and we're going to miss a flight because something has happened and we need to, to love somebody by serving them, uh, that's how important that's going to be to our family. And that's, that's part of the way that we're going to begin to raise disciples of Jesus who raise disciples of Jesus. And so uh, the, these two things, our vision, and our, our, our vision and our mission, are guided by some of these values that we talked about that we came up with for our family. Uh, we value God's word. We value personal integrity, kindness to all, family fun, shared stories. That's something we talk a lot about here, um, that, that we want to have stories that we can tell together, that we can um, have fun, we can have those memories. Uh, we value God's truth, and we value uh, loving others without stipulation. 
And, and, and we talked a lot about that once. You know, we said it doesn't mean that, that we uh, love people and just let them, uh, you know, stay in whatever state they're in, whatever position they're in. Uh, it means that, that we love people regardless of, of whether or not they know Jesus and regardless of whether or not they're, they're in sin or whatever the case may be in such a way that says we love you and we want to see you come out of that. So these are the things that, that, that we said, I mean, these are valuable to us. God's word we, we're saying is valuable to us. And so when it's, when we've been up till midnight or one o'clock watching uh, whatever series we happen to be binge watching on Netflix at the time, uh, that we still get up at, at 630 um, and spend time together uh, in God's word, that that's a value that we have and it's important to us and we're going to make it a priority in the life of our family. These are things that, that we've decided as a family are important. Um, these are, this is our vision, our mission, and our values. And, and, and that we may get five, ten years down the road and say, man, we, we want to engage uh, Riker in this. We want to say, um, or our other kids, and, and maybe kind of rework some of that and stuff like that. But for right now, these are the things that, that we're saying are important. If that's something that you're interested in doing, say, man, that, that would be great for our family. One of the articles that I read is on the back table back here. It's called Crafting a Family Mission, Vision, and Values. It's easy. Uh, so, so you can go back and, uh, and grab that and leave today and spend some time uh, this week, this month as a family, uh, reading through that, talking about what that would mean for your family to have have uh, a vision, to have a mission, to have uh, some values, and, and, to, and to really refine that together and to say, then this is what's important to us. Another thing that you can do to begin to engage the Christian imagination of, of your student, of your family, is to read the Bible together. Uh, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you sit around and, and read it out loud together. You can. That's a great thing. We have families that do that and um, talk about how much that's changed their family. But uh, Scripture is, is, is God's word to us. Scripture is, is the story of who God has been since the beginning of time and who he's going to be uh, until the end of time. And, and one of the key components to imagination is story. And so when we begin to look at the stories that are in the Bible and help our, our kids see those things and, and they see um, the Ruths and the David and the Ehuds and the Peters and the Pauls and all these people, and go, and these are people that said, uh, God is doing something and I want to live into that and be a part of that. It begins to, to help them see, well, I could do that. When you sit down and say, we're, we're going to read through this book of the Bible together, and we're going to see what this part of God's story could have to say to our family right now, they begin to, to ask themselves, well, what if we were a part of that? What if, what if we engaged in loving people the way that the people in this story love people, the way that God asked them to? So maybe, uh, you, maybe a couple of months ago when we started doing the Radical Bible um, we did our Radical series. Maybe you made the commitment to read through the Bible. We have those, uh, the July devotionals, by the way, this morning. They'll be on the back table when we leave. But maybe that's a, a commitment that you made. That's an easy, that's an easy start. So I mean, we're actually going to do that as a family. Um, maybe you didn't. That's okay. Um, you know, so maybe you want to say, man, on Saturday mornings, we're all going to get up. We're going to have family breakfast, and we're going to do family devotional time. I'll tell you, that's going to take some, some work and some effort on your part. Um, not a lot. Maybe an hour, two hours out of your week that says, okay, this week, you know, we're, we're reading this story, this passage, this chapter. Uh, I need to know what that means. I need to know what that says and why it says it in this particular way and what that means to my family this week uh, while they're at work or, or while they're at their basketball camp or whatever the case may be. So it's going to take some extra effort. It takes some extra time on your part to do that. Or maybe it's something as simple as saying, man, everybody in the family is going to start getting up 20 minutes earlier and we're all going to have some personal quiet time uh, in the morning. 
Or maybe in your house that would lead to a rebellion. Uh, and so you're going to say, we're not getting up early because I want to live. Uh, but in the evenings, we're going to turn the TV off. We're going to turn uh, the games off. We're going to take all of our distractions and put them away for about 20 minutes, a half hour, and everybody's going to go, um, and, and they're going to spend some time in God's Word. I don't know what that looks like for your family, but you, you, you may be able to figure that out to say, I mean, we, we value God's Word, and we want our children to see the stories of God and what God is doing, and so we're going to read the Bible together, and here's when and how we're going to do that. This last thing isn't necessarily a, a practical or a how-to or uh, anything like that, but it's, it's an encouragement. Um, it's not too late. It's not too late to begin to do this. Uh, you, you may be in here going, my, my student's a, a senior, like a graduated senior. They're out in two months, uh, thank God. Uh, but but um, it's not too late to begin to engage their imagination. It's not too late to say, I know that you love God. We, we love God as a family, and we want to know what that looks like um, in our world. You weren't saved to know and believe a certain set of things. You were saved uh, to, to know and believe a certain set of things and to allow those things to transform your world. And, and as parents, as people who are leading your families, You've got an awesome responsibility to engage your students in that same story, your children in that same story. Um, and so to begin asking yourself, what if we could be a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the here and now? What if we looked at God's word and saw how God was loving people and made a choice, a decision, a family um, decision to say, we're going to love people in that way? I understand there can be fear and embarrassment. Um, I, I struggle with this, and not, not my, uh, with my wife and my son, but with my, my family, my, my siblings, um, that says, man, I've, I've done a bad job of, of showing that to them, of, of living that out in front of them. And so um, I understand you, you could be going, man, my kid's 12 years old, and they've never seen me wake up early and read my Bible. My kid's, my kid's 12 years old, and we've, we've never uh, really had spiritual conversations or, or lived our faith outside of Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It's okay. I, I, I promise you that if you were to sit them down this afternoon, tonight, sometime this week, and say, hey, we're making some changes. We haven't always been, I haven't always been the best example to you of what it means to, to live your faith uh, at school, at work, on your team, with your friends. But that changes now. We're going to start doing some things as a family. Uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to make a family mission, vision, values. We're going to, we're going to begin to, to read through um, Scripture together to, to engage our imagination, our Christian imagination, to find out what it would look like to change and transform our world. Um, you might have uh, some initial pushback or some confusion, but I, I will almost guarantee you as a conversation that your children will remember for the rest of their lives. Because if you, if you really make that, decision, if you make that commitment and then begin to live into that together as a family, they're going to remember that as the moment that changed their family, that changed their life, that changed the trajectory, the trajectory of the rest of their faith life. It's not too late. I've been trying to read through um, all of Rob Bell's books this year, and some of you just erased everything that I said to you in the last 20 or 30 minutes, but stick with me for just a moment because without getting into some of the controversies, many controversies that we could get into uh, about Rob Bell, one, the book that I'm reading right now or, or that I'm finishing up, 
Sometimes when I say I'm reading a book, what I mean is that I started it two and a half months ago and that I'm also in school and have other things going on and I read um, a couple pages every three or four days. But um, so, so one of the things that he talks about in this book is this, he uses the example of a, of a trampoline um, and, and the difference in um, having the trampoline and knowing what the trampoline is and getting on the trampoline and having some fun. And so this is something that he says uh, towards the end of chapter two, and he says, a trampoline only works if you take your feet off the firm, stable ground and jump into the air and let the trampoline propel you upward. Talking about trampolines isn't jumping, it's talking. These are two vastly different things. And so we jump and we invite others to jump with us to live the way of Jesus and see what happens. You don't have to know anything about the springs to pursue living the way. The focus often becomes getting people to believe things so that they can be in. There's often a list of however many doctrines, and the goal is to get people to intellectually assent to these things being true. Once we believe the right things, then we're in. And once we're in, the goal often becomes learning how to get others in with us. I know this is harsh, but in many settings, it's true. It's possible to be in these settings to be in, and to believe all the correct things, and even to be effective in getting others in and to believe these things, and yet our hearts can remain unaffected. It's possible to believe all the right things and be miserable. It's possible to believe all the right doctrines and not live as Jesus teaches us to live. So my question for us as, as we uh, wrap up, and Gary's got small group questions he's going to hand out to you guys, um, but, but to think about this, do we, do we want to have a trampoline in the backyard to tell our kids about, when I was a kid, we jumped on the trampoline, and it was tons of fun, and we had a good time, and, and when you jump, you can do this flip, and to tell them about it, but never actually get on it? Or do we want to not just teach them about the trampoline, we want to put them on it, get on there with them, and launch those suckers over the house when we're bouncing with them? That's what we're talking about here when we talk about engaging their imagination. We're talking about uh, engaging the God-given imagination of our students, our children. It's going to endear them to the heart of Jesus and to the local church. And they're going to have kingdom impact that we could never imagine having on our own or in our lifetime. I'm going to pray. Uh, We've got small group questions. We'll let you all talk about those.